Welcome to another Bite Side. I'm Seamus Byrne and joined, as always, by Nick Healy. Nick, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very well indeed. That's awesome. So uh, it's been, yeah, well, I guess it has. It's been more than a full week. Yeah, we both had very busy schedules last week. We have always promised that this was a most weeks kind of a show. Um, so this is one of those times we took advantage of that uh, that mild commitment to a weekly routine. Um, but, Nick, I, you know, I have, um, oh, one loose end that I did have oh, yes. was... I wanted to follow up around the YubiKey stuff that I mentioned because I was a little bit vague and, and, you know, excited about it, but a bit vague about exactly how it works. So I actually, YubiCo has sent me uh, the YubiKey to actually test out. And so I've got both models, which is one is the, uh, a clever, it's like USB-C and US and, uh, sorry, lightning port so Ooh. that it can operate with either, you know, Android or any kind of port or on iPhone as well. And then I've got the one that has the little kind of thumbprint type uh, biometric ID on it to sort of test out as well. And apparently that even has like NFC type stuff. Like, so there's so many clever bits about how it works and it works with apparently heaps and heaps of specific online services um, that I'm like, yeah, right. I've, I've got to dive in, use it for a bit and then report back sort of later on just how well it works. Yeah. I'm really keen to see this because, you know, that whole idea of that physical key is a really interesting one, one that we haven't seen for a little while being picked up. So I'm very keen to see if it's actually convenient using it the way you want to use it. Yeah, and, and so part of what I've sort of learned a bit more about as well is that it becomes kind of truly passwordless once you're really setting it up properly and you know, and working with the services that it you know, supports seamlessly. It's that idea if you're holding that thing, then you don't even need to you, know, you don't even need to type in a password. It's just like, yep, yeah, okay, you've got the physical key, it's you. Yeah, look, I'm really on board with you giving that test and seeing how that goes. I mean, as someone who has slowly been migrating a lot of their phone-based passwords and accounts over to my fingerprint and really appreciating how easy that's made everything, I, I can see maybe making that next step to a physical key for that convenience and protection. And actually, that's a good point because I'm I'm on one of the newer MacBook Airs uh, these days, which, you know, because I hated the whole touch bar thing when the MacBook <laughs> Pro got that. It was just like, I, I mean, okay, sure, you can, you, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, but on the MacBook Air, it just has the fingerprint ID in the corner. So, you know, instead, you know, everything else is just the physical keys again. But that is so handy to just be able to kind of use touch ID to log into so many things, like including one password on the desktop so that it then does just instantly unlock all my passwords, things like that. It's so convenient sometimes that, yeah, that when I then do have to go, oh, I have to type in a whole password again, I get really, okay, not annoyed, mildly, mildly discomforted. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the frustration's always when you're like, okay, I haven't had to log into this particular service for a long time. Yeah. Oh, uh, there we go. I'm locked out for half an hour now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or when, you know, in the browser, just sometimes, you know, Google being, uh, you know, a good service that tries to be careful will say, mm, I, we just want to reauthenticate you because it's been a while. And you're like, oh, man, I've got to type oh, things in again. Just killing me here. My favorite, because <laughs> I, I do use a lot of those autofills. Um, I, I don't know whether I should be or not these days, but I do use them and it will never cope ever, ever cope with the fact that Qantas as a website requires your Qantas, uh, Qantas number, your surname, 
and then your four-digit PIN as well. It cannot deal with the idea that there's three things it's asking for, I've, not just two. I've been two. through exactly the same problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so weird. I'm like, come on, buddy. It's just one more field. You're going to be okay. So I may have done a bit of shopping over the weekend oh. and all the the Black Friday and the Cyber Monday shenanigans. Um, I... I have to be careful what I say out loud if my children <laughs> listen to this before Christmas. <laughs> anyway, I bought things, um, but I am curious if you've been diving into any of the shopping and especially not just Black Friday, Nick, but Cyber Monday. Oh, you're killing me here. You're absolutely killing me. I never want to hear the word <laughs> cyber again until Cyberpunk, the game, comes out. That's the only time I ever want to hear it again. What is it this year in particular? I mean, Black Friday is weird enough as an Aussie, uh, and if we do have anyone listening from outside of Australia, Black Friday to me is mostly associated with some of the worst bushfires that have ever occurred in Australian history. That, to me, is what Black Friday means. I actually went away and tried to work out the etymology of that term, and it's completely mystifying as well. And the best I can come up with is somewhere around the 30s or 40s in America, employers were using it because the amount of sickies that people would chuck the Friday after Thanksgiving. It had nothing to do with shopping at all. It was Black Friday because people didn't go to work. So it was pretty much like, oh, well, everything just has to shut down anyway. Yeah, so besides, I have no idea what that turns into Black Friday. But I don't know what it was about this particular year, but I had more marketing email about Black Friday and the so-called Cyber Monday than I've ever had in in 10 years. You just reminded me, I was chatting with someone earlier today and uh, I dubbed it the Festival of the EDM because (laughs) I had my first emails about it back on November 14, I checked. And then this week, that same company... Um, which was Dell, I'll, I'll name and shame, uh, then sent out a, you know, it's not just Cyber Monday, it's Cyber Week. And something like, this has been an entire month of you sending me multiple emails on a regular basis to tell me about the sales that are coming soon and then the sales that I can I can get a, a preview of and then the sales that are now happening and then the sales that are now happening for the second phase because it's now <laughs> Cyber Monday and it's not Black Friday. Oh, like, it's just been out of control. <laughs> I'm trying to have a look now and see when I got my first one. Uh, I do think you might be right on that. It's been a while. Um, my favourite one I've got here is from a, uh, a a glasses brand that I've shopped from before. It's the week before Black Friday and Cyber Monday, they tell me, on the 20th of November. <laughs> yeah. I don't. What? That's their sale. It's their week before sale. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's yeah, what look, I want. It's been really weird. And I know we were trying to explain to the kids recently how it all came about. And yeah, the, the, I mean, it, we were really trying to point out that whole issue of, you know, it seems like in the States, well before the online era, it was the equivalent of our Boxing Day sales, where it just seemed like the whole, you know, when it became a sale event, that it was that whole, that's the day that everybody basically queues up outside to you know, run over the top of each other um, and hurt each other in the name of getting, you know, a fridge for $200 off, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, and then the online era has now made it kind of spread like a virus across the entire planet. So thanks, Amazon. Yeah, look, and look, in answer to your question, 
Yeah, I did, and I'm annoyed at myself, but I did do quite a bit of online shopping during that period, mostly through Amazon, uh, which I have started to find really convenient. The website still looks like it was designed circa 1996 using a GeoCities template, but there are some good things on there. And um, I I took advantage to do a couple of Chrissy presents, which I'm gathering you might have done as well, uh, but also a couple of treats for myself. Nothing technology-related, though. I bought myself an expensive pillow, and I've seen the pillow you take on flight so you don't get to give me a hard time about this no exactly i'm all about taking a good pillow on a flight none of this trying to then make desperately make the blanket plus the the crappy little pillow they've given you work somehow no good pillows all the way good work i have bought myself a um varying paddedness bamboo style pillow i don't actually know what it's going to be like when it arrives here but it's on its way i've been told along with a couple of other things i completely forgot that i'd bought as well Apparently, I had a very good weekend. Anyway. So, look, I am going to nerd out on the pillow for a moment. Is it one of those ones that you can put your arms through and kind of get interesting positions going on? Because that's the one I'm keen on. I did recently get a neck pillow because I forgot my other pillow. Um, and that that was great. But I've always eyed off those ones that sort of have like the face hole so you can just sort of lean forward into it while you sort of hug it with your arms in the middle or something like that. So I have to confess here, I only reference the pillow you take on flights to give you a hard time about the pillow that you take on flights. It's nothing to do with flight pillows at all. It is just a, it's called the sweet night pillows for sleeping. Right. It's a memory foam with a, um, a bamboo fiber cooling cover. And you can open it up and take out the foam as you need it to give it its own kind of heft and weight. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, that, that sounds good to add some variability to it. But now, yeah, we're definitely getting uh, way too nerdy about pillows. The so the cyber thing is yes. it partly as well because of cyber truck, or is it is it just the the sale use of cyber, oh, or Lordy. are there other cybers Lordy. going on at the moment? You're tired of. I had blanked out cyber truck. Oh no, you're right. That's where that's where <laughs> half of this anger is coming from. Right. It was latent anger that then spilled out yesterday. <laughs> it really is. I'd forgotten how much that. Idiot, millionaire, billionaire, whatever, annoys the hell out of me. Yes, yes, and that (laughs) truck, uh, I'm sure it's a great idea. Um, I've never been so delighted in my entire life as when those windows smashed. That just made my day. Uh, We should probably leave this one and move on to something else before I get into a real rant. I'm going to touch on one more cyber question. Oh, hit me. And it is the fact that, so I just the other week went down to uh, 3AI down in Canberra Mm. and interviewed Genevieve Bell and Ellen Broad, two of the staff members there for a new show that's coming, hopefully gigging off next week. Um, But one of the interesting things there is that they are using cyber in its kind of very original sense um, uh, when they talk about, you know, their whole mission is to uh, talk about sort of the, you know, the ethics and management of cyber physical systems at scale. And I just always love the fact that Genevieve Bell is one of those people who goes right back to the historic source of these sorts of things and goes, this is exactly the right word for this way of talking about important things in technology. And therefore I am using that word because it is correct. And I'm like, it's, it's always great when you go, yes, repossess that word, not for random sales and random, Space age trucks, but use it because it is the correct technical <laughs> term for making the world better. Thank you. And Jebel was exactly the kind of person who would do that. I mean, from memory, it, it, it has Greek roots meaning control. Yeah, uh, yeah. Look, I even forgot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but define cyber. Please um, stop. Please pertaining stop to using internet, it for shopping. Alternate cell- <laughs> 
All right, yeah, I'm done. Good. Um, you, uh, look, this is what, week four of your Facebook ban, week three? <laughs> yeah, yeah, heading towards it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I did actually post a reminder earlier today because I do want to advocate for the fact that, you know, I am no, you know, it's like, right, the old, what's the joke about sort of vegans? They'll tell you they are. I guess I'm being that person who tells people I'm no longer on Facebook. <laughs> but... I yeah saw some news that has once again made me go yeah yeah it's it's just such a horrible cesspit of a place um, that there was news from New York Times uh, they got wind of the fact that the company had actually set up uh, a chatbot uh, chatbot chatbot for employees named Leambot. Uh, and the idea was actually to give Facebook employees a chatbot, <laughs> chat bot, bot. I can say the word bot. I really can. <laughs> um, a chatbot that would teach them official company answers for dealing with difficult questions during the Thanksgiving holidays. Oh, so like you're at home and your uh, mum says, oh, uh, how about that company you work for destroying democracy from the ground up? Mm. And uh, <laughs> they could have been spoon fed. In fact, you know, in real time, they could turn to the chatbot and say, um, "What's what should I say about this thing? Uh, and, uh, you know, their PR department had set up this lovely thing to g- give them the official talking points um, as quickly as they can uh, to help them talk about things like how Facebook consults with experts on, on important matters around hate speech and how it has hired more moderators to police content and how it is working on AI to spot hate speech and regulation being an important part of addressing such issues and uh, blah, 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 all that kind of talking point stuff to help people, I guess, not feel like they come away from the holidays desperately keen to quit the company they work for. But that is just depressing as hell. When does your, your company doesn't get to tell you how to answer questions from your family about their problematic bloody behavior. That's not on. Why? I mean, I feel like it's there to help the people who really want to be able to deflect, right? And you know, it, it, it's something helpful only in in that kind of context. Where I think for some people who they just maybe some of them just want to straight up go, you know, yeah, I, I hate it, but they pay me good money, and I'm out of there in two years as soon as my stock vests, <laughs> you know, whatever it might be. Um, whereas I guess some people were probably feeling under the pump and this is a way for them to go, we're helping you out by uh, offering you some, you know, hor- like it's just horrible because it really is. Here's some talking points. Look, I mean, if talking points aren't one of that laundry list of things that are wrong with this past decade. <laughs> it, it is absolutely horrific. And, and I guess the only thing it comes down to is it's far cheaper to build a chat bot called Liam than it is to actually stop your systemic problematic behaviours. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, maybe we should hire a thousand more moderators. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's build a chat bot. That's going to be much, much easier. Okay. So, well, look, I I hope, I hope that anyone who did go home over Thanksgiving in the US who does work for Facebook got a lot of work out of Liam and had a really lovely time. That's Mm. my hope. And and Christmas is coming. Don't delete that chatbot just yet. Um, Speaking of chatbots, I've been trying to wrangle Telstra lately. And I'm going to name and shame on this one because it's just one of those weird ones. Remember we were talking a couple of weeks ago how much, how enamored I am of the Pixel 4 
Decided yes. I was going to make an upgrade, really keen to, uh, ran the numbers, thought, well, okay, you know what, I might actually do that um, as a payoff through Telstra. They're actually making it quite reasonable now. It's no longer that kind of $3,000 over the lifetime of your, they're actually doing quite sensible pricing on it. So there I went to take a look. deals when you tie it together, yeah. It's a really great deal. So I thought, okay, we'll go on. I've been a long-time Telstra customer. At the moment, I'm paying $49 for around about 30 gig, which I think is really reasonable on a BYO device plan. Yep. And then I discovered that if I want to add a handset to that, they won't let me bring that particular plan I'm on across. The next one that's available in the closest price range is a dollar more for half the data, I'd have to start paying 50 bucks to get 15 gig. What? Yeah. And um, they absolutely no. will not move on this at all. I've tried a couple of times to just say, look, I just want to keep my plan. I just want to start paying you an extra $35 a month to get the handset. That's all I want. They're like, well, you can't. It's just straight up, there's no move on it. There's no, I'll talk to a manager. There's no, what could we do about this? It's just straight up. No. And it's really interesting to me because what they're trying to sell me on is the 60 for 60 plan. And I get it. That's a great deal. But I'm barely using 30 gig. I just don't. You know what it is? Like I probably could survive on 15 gig, but I refuse on the general principle to start paying a dollar more for less. And I don't get why there's no wiggle room on this. Now, Telstra and I have had some issues in the past when I decided to use them for home internet a couple of years ago. That ended up being so problematic, it actually generated a telecommunication industry ombudsman complaint. And I can tell you, everything got pretty well fixed immediately after that got generated. But this one isn't that. It's not a complaint per se in terms of a service fault. The service has been great. And I've got to say, full kudos to Telstra living regionally as I do now. They are the platform to be on. They are the network to be on. You know, that blue tick really does mean stuff when you're outside of metro areas. And they've done a lot of work on that. I will not fault the coverage I get. I will fault the fact that they are trying to pull this one on me. And it just makes no sense to me whatsoever. And the thing that always really annoys me about these sorts of discussions is that in any given month, you will discover that there'll be special offers for new customers. <laughs> yes. And that's when you're like, oh, well, can I have that? No, no, you're an existing customer. And, you know, you, oh, what? So if I quit and I go join Optus for a month, then you'll give me this back? And even then sometimes, like, mm, you're too recent a customer. We it's don't not- want... We don't want super high churn customers. <laughs> we want medium term commitments. <laughs> but so to be really clear here, this is how this went. This was last week. I jumped on the chatbot. I said, look, here's the deal. I do want to upgrade. I do want to get this phone. I don't want to change my plan. They're like, oh, look, we get it. We can't do that. You are far better off walking into a Telstra store. They have access to plans and offers that we don't. I'm like, oh, that's right. unusual. So yeah. I did that. Left the office, I walked down to the Telstra shop, I queued up for 7 minutes and 29 seconds because I hit a timer when I walked in there before anyone actually acknowledged that I was in that Telstra store. And someone came over and I said, here's what I want to do. And he went, nah. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, no, we can't. I'm like, but I was told by the customer service agent online that you were the one who could make this happen for me. And he went, oh, no, 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 no. They're the ones with the access to that. They're the ones who can pull the strings and make that happen. 
So I did wander back and had a phone call and uh, that ended up with them just saying, look, there's nothing we can do. Stop asking. <laughs> stop even stop, asking. Stop asking. Why are you bothering us with this, mate? So I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, I genuinely don't. I'm thinking I might just buy the handset outright, but that is a lot of money to lay out in one go. Yeah. So I feel like I'm um, proverbially over a barrel on this one and I'm not sure where to go with it. And it, like, because I opened up their plans and the fact that 15 gigs is the smallest plan they do now and it's 50 bucks month to month, you're like, you know, I mean, this is one of those areas where it's pretty much like they have said, all right, MVNOs, you know, the mobile, the virtual network operators, the companies that that they let use parts of the Telstra network to sell other kinds of deals and plans. It's like they've gone, we will leave the, you know, the sub $50 market to all of you people because we're not even going to offer a deal of any kind below that price. Um, it, it just seems kind of really weak that that's the cheapest plan they do, but that you, you kind of feel like you should be getting 15 gigs for like 30 or 40 bucks nowadays, not $50. And that it is entirely about going, it, it's like the popcorn upgrade at the movies. You know, it's like, I mean, look, you're already giving us $8 for the small box of popcorn. Why not give us 10 for the really big box? That is hilarious. So you're right. It is. It's like $8, here's your four bits of popcorn, or $10 and more popcorn than you could eat in two weeks. Which one possibly, do you want? Which one do you eat. want? Shut up and take the big one. Yeah. And look, and you know, oh, look, I do. I do. And I always feel sick after I eat too much popcorn. I'm going to say, in fairness, you know, it's not that many years ago that you and I would have said 15 gig that is so much what a great deal i i get that yeah but those days are behind us just help me out here that's all i'm asking just find a way and this guy said not just telstra but all of these service companies should find a way to make these deals work for the individuals especially if they've been customers for a while that's what keeps customers around yeah, hundred percent. They should be doing so much better than that, and and it's yeah. Again, you know, I live in a regional area as well, and there's always that feeling where you're like, uh, if I if I could feel like I would get the service I need, then I would be interested in changing providers. Sometimes when things like this come up, but in the end, you're like, yeah, I I do need you, Telstra, so um, you get to have my money. Yeah, that's a big sigh on that one. One thing Telstra didn't offer to do was deliver me a new phone by drone, but maybe that's not too far away. Oh, I love it. Good segue. Yes. <laughs> um, they are trying this stuff on in a number of states around Australia, not Telstra, but various <laughs> other companies. Uh, trials are taking place in the ACT and Queensland when it comes to delivery drones. Um, which, and you know, the thing that always reminds me of is the fact that one of the companies that I don't think is involved with these is Domino's who loves to try to get some oh. headlines now and then, being like, oh, look at our clever drones and we're going to deliver pizzas and all this jazz. And and it's really only ever a marketing stunt. I have never seen them deliver one. I think they have delivered one or two in New Zealand, and that's about as good Is as that, it is. Didn't they try and have a the suggestion that a robot was checking each pizza for quality at one point, or did I just hallucinate that one? Am I... Uh, no, it is a thing. Um, and in fact, if you order through the Domino's website, you do get photo, like when your no. thing has gone into the machine, you can even see photos of your pizzas 
uh, that were taken uh, before they got put into the oven or, well, or as they were put into the oven, I guess. Next time I am so hungover on a weekend morning that I can't even wait for my good pizza place to open and I end up ordering Domino's, which is the only time I ever do, I will be looking at those pictures. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, delivery drones, food, coffee, small items, apparently have all been tested in ACT in Queensland. But there's a really interesting debate going on right now where there have been noise complaints because, of course, drones do make horrible droning noises. Uh, and there is a whole kind of drone... Uh, oh, my... My whole... Uh, <laughs> First it's boots, and now it's drawings. <laughs> Chad Boot and his drawings. <laughs> That's right. That's my new band name, I call it. Uh, a national drone noise review has been taking place. Um, submissions are now closed. But what was really interesting was that uh, Wing, which is uh, one of the Alphabet company drone, uh, you know, drone companies, a part of the Google family of companies, that they have actually been uh, putting in their own submissions. And a really interesting point they have made is that the federal government is actually trying to avoid taking any responsibility for dealing with some of these kinds of drone issues, specifically related to things like uh, like setting rules around noise levels. And they just want to sort of throw those kinds of regulations to the states and not take that responsibility. And it really does seem like something, in my opinion anyway, that... This should be part, and this is what um, Wing is actually kind of putting forward, that it should be part of overall aviation safety, and therefore it should be being controlled at the federal level instead of setting weird different rules in different states. Um, but it's just such an interesting point that it's things like the noise complaints that is is becoming one of the key areas in this whole debate over how do we make sure we get the regulations right now so that in the future this stuff isn't just suddenly, oh, well, now there's, you know, 200 drones in your neighbourhood and and we're now just constantly surrounded by the noise of drones humming past your house, dropping stuff off at your neighbour's back door, all this kind of business. It's like we do need to get the regulations right now. And it's interesting that it's actually taking, you know, a big company like Alphabet and having their sort of drone company getting involved to say, no, you should regulate this properly from the start and not just think it's going to all work itself out later. It is interesting, and I think part of the issue is we've gone about this idea of drone deliveries as what it means for our convenience. And it was a couple of years ago, I actually did an article for HCF Magazine. Boy, we're having a great day. HCF Magazine, um, looking at medical drone deliveries and the importance there. And I just wonder if we we had concentrated on this being something that we used for emergency service personnel um, or, you know, really important medical deliveries, would we have already managed to nail some of this down by now? rather than wondering about whether my coffee is going to arrive and the neighbours are going to have a hard time hearing it. Yeah, I mean, it's that's completely correct. And actually, I have loved seeing that there is, um, I can't remember the name of it, one of the universities up in Queensland does run uh, an annual competition to do things like you know, emergency response, drone delivery type systems, uh, it's almost like the, you know, like the solar race type stuff in that they're, you know, that, that universities kind of turn up. They know the general parameters of what's going to happen. But the idea is that it's then on the day that they basically get told, okay, you know, your drone needs to autonomously, you know, fly to this area. It needs to be able to, 
uh, scan that field. It needs to find where there is, you know, a body that's kind of lying on the ground. It needs to be able to drop off supplies to that person and then, you know, come back to base. Or it might even be, you know, they're working towards ones that might even be able to airlift a person out autonomously. Yeah, wow. All these kinds of amazing types of tests that are going on. And you're right, so much of this discussion keeps coming back to convenience instead of really getting the plans right because this stuff is going to be important. And, yeah, no, it, it's not to say... Certainly, yeah, you've certainly yeah, taken the wind out of that one. Well, <laughs> so, wind out of the drone's <laughs> sails, Nick. But it's not to say we're not looking at that important stuff. I always think about the little ripper drones um, that are used for a bit of surf lifesaving. Not only can they detect sharks and can actually, you know, use their onboard systems to tell the difference between shark breeds, but they can drop an emergency flotation device and even auto-defib where they're needed. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that stuff is brilliant. That Isn't is really, incredible. really amazing. Yeah. And so, look, I just think, yeah, this is just, the, you know, the story really struck me on that idea that that it's just crazy to me that, you know, that the government is sort of trying to just keep kicking, well, like, right? It seems like all governments at the moment, let's kick the can down the road. Let's make someone else worry about it later. Let's find all the excuses we can to not do something about anything right now because it's just hard and that means we probably have to spend money that we don't want to spend. Um, whereas, yeah, something like this, you know, I mean, we're already seeing these kinds of issues in cities when it comes to the likes of Uber, right? Where now where, you know, they don't have to have a limit on the number of of people who can sign up for Uber in a city, which means you then end up having you know, each driver making less money, but you mm. also have more cars, cars lingering on the roads looking for fares, and that's causing congestion. And this is the kind of thing where it's like we should be trying to get this right because it is very hard to roll back getting this wrong and then suddenly being like, oh, okay, well, all these companies that do now exist to do these jobs, um, now we need to start telling them that they have to start shutting down their operations because we've changed the rules. And look, I want them to get this right because I don't want this still to be in flux and people not entirely know how we're handling this when I first step into the one-man autonomous drone Uber that's going to fly me to my destination. I want to know you've nailed it by then. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I really do not want to get in one of those things. And then mid-flight, I'd be like, regulations changed at 11.59pm this evening. I will now be dropping you off in the middle of nowhere. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, goodbye. Just boo. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, okay. I don't have a segue for this one, but Nick is the queen Dead? This is my favourite thing. This is the most online scandal I think I've ever encountered. Are you across this? The idea that the Queen has died and they're just waiting to tell people. Have you encountered this in some fever dream on Twitter or any other social media? No, I, I have seen nothing about this, so I do not this understand This is it all. just so good. So apparently the Queen is dead according to a screenshot of a WhatsApp group message that purports to be between guardsmen who work for Buckingham Palace. Oh, of course. And a screenshot of a WhatsApp. A WhatsApp from, from uh, Gibbo, Burnsy, Cheeks, Josh, Morty, and Ricey. <laughs> now, it begins with Sounds Gibbo. Legit. 
This is amazing. Gibbo says, oh, Queen's passed away this morning. Heart attack being announced at 9.30am tomorrow. Channel dash 8am tomorrow in full number ones. In your black kit, you're going to need a full set of threes, a full set of fours, underwear and socks for two weeks, washing kit, body washing kit, and uh, I don't know what this one means, but City's Fawn Stand Down. Now, this just went off because people are like, you know, obviously it's a, it's a couple of screen grabs. Ricey says, nah, balls, mate, you're not, that hasn't happened. They point out that they actually took some time to announce the death of the Queen Mother. And so this seemed to have a little bit of legitimacy. And I've got to say, Buckingham Palace has quashed it, saying it's business as usual. The Queen is alive and well, but we haven't seen her, have we? Oh, now I'm in. Now I'm in. I'm really gutted about this because it's just one of those dumb things that means that we're, <laughs> next time a good scandal breaks, we're going to be answered just like the Queen. Um, I've really enjoyed every second of this, mainly because I'm not a particular royal fancier. Uh, I've heard my favourite conspiracy so far has been that this was set up by Buckingham Palace to take the emphasis away from what's happening with Andrew and put it back on the <laughs> Queen and to make everyone remember how much they'll miss her when she does die. Because the monarch <laughs> is 93. It's just going to be said. But look, I can't believe Gibbo and Ricey had lied to me. I'm pretty gutted about that. Yeah. And look, there is always something in a little bit of technical jargon in your, uh, oh, yeah. your thrown into this sort of thing, isn't there? Because it's like, well, I mean, who, who would use those kinds of words if, if it wasn't real? Exactly. I mean, like someone who's really just trying to actually have a lend of everybody, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor, poor old Gibbo. I really just want to know how this kicked off because someone's clearly yeah. created this. Or have they? We still don't know if the Queen's <laughs> dead or not, Jay. Uh, I mean, you know, who's to say that um, who's to say that she didn't actually uh, you know, have a heart attack but was brought back with one of those drone defribs and, uh, you know, and could- is actually... Recovering perfectly fine now. It could all wrap in together. Look, honestly, this this is the episode of Biteside that's going to last so well. Someone in <laughs> six months is going to be going, when did anyone think the Queen had died? It's like me right now because Gibbo, Ricey, Cheeks, Botty, I can't remember the rest of their names, they told me so. Well, you know, I think we should pour one out to Gibbo, Ricey and uh, and the lads because they've probably lost their jobs now that uh, they're, uh, you know, because, I mean, I'm sure somebody knows them. Yes. Somebody knows that collective of uh, beef eaters yeah. and, um, you know, they're, uh, they're going to be, uh, yeah, uh, drowning their sorrows over a few pints this weekend. Oh, I will never, ever not enjoy a really dumb conspiracy theory. <laughs> Shay, do you want to wrap us out? Because this one blew my mind. All right. So, oh my god, the money. Have ha, yeah. Have you uh, have you kind of put money in or in any way uh, followed the whole Star Citizen saga? So I have not put money in, but you, you made me think about this because I was like, well, when was the last time I talked about Star Citizen? So I did go back and do a bit of research. Um, I actually had Chris Roberts on stage at PAX in 2014. And one of the things I remember talking about was just how much money Star Citizen had made. Now, that was yes. five years ago. Um, yeah, back then it was probably, you know, probably over $50 million. Maybe it was heading towards $100 million. Um, but it's just mind-blowing that it has just crossed $250 million in crowdfunding uh, seven years down the track from when it launched in 2012. Uh, and it just had its biggest ever month in funding, $9 million. 
and through November because they did also hold a, a convention called Citizen Con. So that kind of helped to boost things because they showed off. And this is the thing that always blows my mind because they showed off a whole bunch of other features that you might eventually get one day when the game actually releases. Yeah, this is the bit I wanted to make sure that I hadn't missed. Mm-hmm. Is the game available? If you are a backer, you can play a few different bits and pieces <laughs> of the game uh, as an early access uh, backer type person. And when people choose to buy... um you know, like buy uh, stuff, what you are often, and this is where most of the funding has come from. And this is the thing that I just, it's so hard to wrap your head around, but it's a very 21st century problem, right? People are buying spaceships and different items in the game as part of the way that they're giving their funding uh, that will be available to them either in some of the parts that are currently available or may be available in the future parts that are not yet available to play, but they are buying things in the game, ships, weapon skins, um, subscription packages, uh, upgrades for ships. I mean, at what what point mm -hmm. does this get officially classed as vaporware? See, I think the fact that there are playable elements to this game is a really big part. And look, let's point out for those who are completely uninitiated, Chris Roberts, you know, he was one of the, the main brains behind the classic Wing Commander series, um, you know, like incredible pedigree behind this. And there is no question that the concept of Star Citizen is wildly ambitious in that it is really aiming to be, you know, the like universal, uh, you know, universe scale, uh, incredibly well-designed, you know, space simulation type game with also, you know, the idea that you'll fly your ships and you'll kind of do cool space stuff, but then you will like land your ship on a planet and then jump out and have a whole like, you know, PVP war on a planet, you know, or a single player experience on a planet. And there's all these sort of things that are meant, you know, aiming to be seamless transitions between sort of all these different kinds of games um, but so far, I believe what is available is uh, there is, I think, a bit of a single-player campaign, I think. Um, there is, I think, some PvP. Um, it's just really hard to keep up with exactly what is available if you're not sort of really in the thick of it. But they just have raised so much money for something that is still, in so many respects, just the promise of something down the track. Yeah, and this is really interesting. Look, you know, when I've been told by some of the aficionados about what Star Citizen is going to do, it does sound amazing. As you said, it's seamless integration of differing game styles, but they really put that emphasis on seamless. I know one of the promises was you would literally walk off a planet onto your ship, walk up to the helm, and then start piloting your ship. It would feel like you were genuinely doing that. And I love that idea, not sort of, you know, here's a loading screen. Now I've told a computer to go to this place, you know, and we're off there. It sounded incredible. But you can't keep dumping money into something that doesn't appear because you are, I mean, is this the sunken cost fallacy by now? I've already bought all of these ships. I have to keep giving money so one day I'll get these ships. And and that's it. Yeah, it is hard to 
not feel like there is a bit of that whole cognitive dissonance thing going on where it's like, no, no, but it is going to be amazing. And the reason that it keeps getting delayed is because it's going to be more amazing once it comes out. But look, you know, a perfectly good note here is that if you want to kind of learn a bit more about what exactly this game is at this point, you can. There is a free-to-play-for-everybody event taking place. Um, I will make sure and get this posted today because uh, on December 5, apparently, is when it currently finishes. So there's been sort of a, an event on for a little while called a free-fly event, and that means that you know, free for everyone to play through to December 5, um, being allowed to fly apparently every ship in the game. And apparently there are more than 100 in the game that is currently available. <laughs> um, so, yeah, look, you know, it, I guess all, it's yeah one of those discussions where it's like, well, I like I don't even feel like it's my kind of game, but it, it's important. To go, okay, there is enough game there that they are right now offering to let people jump in and experience it because if you're interested you can at least see if this game is your kind of thing. And I'm sure with all this sort of play as well, it means there's probably quite a bit of YouTube type stuff from, you know, streamers and people like that um, playing what is there. To, and so you can at least probably get a good look at what exactly, what exactly is available of, of this game right now. Well, all right then, because for 250 million bucks, I want to know what's on the table. I, I'm, <laughs> Dead keen. Let's get yep. this posted and let's find out how this goes because I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna end up getting hooked into a YouTube toilet flush kind of thing <laughs> where I'm just sinking down the drain watching these things, aren't I? Yeah, I think so. And um, yeah, look, I might even I might try to at least download something. And if if I can get my hands on it before it finishes and get a little bit of time in, then I will try to at least say what it felt like uh, when we come back next time. Yeah, all right. We'll put that in the business for next week and let's get on with it. All right. So um, that is a wrap for this week's show. I want to thank you, Nick, you in particular. <laughs> for joining me again and also any listeners who are tuning in whether in earbuds or car stereos or on home sonos networks whatever kind of a setup you might have or sitting listening to us on a beach speaker whatever it might be um thank you again and of course you can reach out you can send us a message about any of these you can tell us off if you're a massive star citizen fan <laughs> please do Just Email ask at biteside.com or you can tweet at us at, at biteside. Uh, on Instagram, we are at the biteside and on Facebook, it is just biteside. And I am at Seamus and he is at Dr. Nick. That is DR with an underscore because underscores are fancy NIC. Brilliant. And yeah, we will be back before Christmas. We've yeah, plotted probably at least one or two more before then. So have a great time till then. I hope you all get your Black Friday, Cyber Monday shopping <laughs> deals turning up on your doorstep delivered by drone. Um, no, probably not delivered by drone yet, but at least they will turn up thanks to OzPost, hopefully. <laughs> we'll talk again. And we'll see a, you next time. We'll talk in a week. <laughs>